0: Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I am your host, Nick Webster. So glad you could join us today. A very special guest, Neil Crawford. Anytime soccer training supremo, mastermind, sounder. Neil,
1: welcome to The Bear and the Ball. Thanks for having me, Nick.
0: So, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're based in South Carolina, not exactly known as a hotbed of soccer, although I I understand the university's pretty good, but... What what does
1: the youth soccer scene look like in South Carolina at the moment? So it's funny you say that. I'm originally from South Carolina, but now I live in Cary, North Carolina, which in that Cary Raleigh area is a hotbed of youth soccer. That's the home of NCFC, which they advertise. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's going to be close to true is the largest youth soccer organization in north america by population by by enrollment everything from the grassroots recreational all all the way up to their academy but it's interesting oh go ahead
0: that that had the uh, the million dollar challenge
1: yes clint Dempsey. so clint Dempsey actually now i think he's recently maybe relocated to charlotte but his son used to play for ncfc so i would see him around every once in a while and i and i i think his family has ties to the to the Carolinas as well. So you it's not uncommon to see him, you know, as a normal soccer dad now. And he was heavily involved in that $1 million challenge. The Deuce himself, yes, I've had the opportunity to interview Clinton on quite a few occasions
0: and really uh, a, a gentleman and a fantastic footballer and a great role model for anybody who wants to get involved in the game. And you, you mentioned the term soccer dad. That's you. So tell me a little bit about your soccer experiences growing up and then some of the challenges that you experienced becoming a soccer dad.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting that you, start, you led off with South Carolina where I'm from. And I grew up in a small town called Clover, South Carolina. And I joke with people, if you've heard of Clover, either I'm kin to you or you're a truck driver. That's how small the town was. And not only did I not grow up playing soccer, I didn't even know we had a soccer team Until our kicker, who was my buddy, he gave me a ride to practice. And then one day I saw him in the yearbook on the soccer team. And I was like, I didn't know you played soccer. And he joked with me, you never asked. He was actually uh, an Italian immigrant. And I just thought he was the weird guy playing football. But it turned out he was a soccer player who was kicking for us. Fast forward. I moved to England. I lived in England. That's where I really fell in love with the game as an adult. I had two sons. I really tried to get them into baseball. I didn't realize how boring baseball had become until I was an adult watching it. I loved it as a kid. My dad was a baseball coach. But I wanted to be that dad, the one that was always there, the one that was coaching. And my sons, because my older son, especially because they were born in England and half my family is completely fanatical, he took a liking in the soccer and I had to figure all this stuff. Now. There were lots of challenges, lots of ups and downs. And where I, where my story divides a little bit from the average parent is that moment that I decided to actively help my son, right? I saw that he was behind uh, many of the other kids. I saw that he initially loved the game, but his confidence and uh, his enjoyment was waning a little bit. I saw I had enough intuition to see the head with that, oh, this stuff is really competitive. Once you go from rank to uh, competitive, I saw that and I thought to myself, how can I help him? And it's that decision that led to this entire journey for the last almost decade.
0: Well, describe, describe the moment where, because of, as parents, look, I've got a 16-year-old son myself who I think he's turning into an exceptional plan, but maybe I'm completely biased and, you know, I'm not probably there. Uh, link is on. Tell me about that moment when, as a parent who's not grown up with the game of soccer, that moment where you go, I think it's getting pretty good at this, and maybe I don't have the tools or I don't have an idea how to go and find the tools to help my child with so- better version of
1: himself yeah so here's the thing nick i dig my content i have a podcast the anytime soccer training app it digs into a very nuanced uh very nuanced subject helping your kids when they're starting off when they're really young when you don't know and how to do that in a way that fuels their passion but also is somewhat effective so I didn't see anything special in my son when I first started helping him at all. I saw that this was a skill based game and I was no longer in England where kids were just playing all the time. And I had to be a little bit more proactive and I had a choice. I could pay someone to, uh, to do it and I would miss out on all that time I could spend with my sons. Also, I didn't have the money to do it. It was like expensive. And I saw that I wanted to help. I wanted to use sport as a way to teach valuable life lessons, right? So it wasn't necessarily about, I saw something special in my son. Now let's go train him. It was again, seeing that, wow, this is a skill-based sport and he needs some help. But how do I do that in a way that's positive and not negative? And more importantly, I believed if I could help him Early on, get a rock solid foundation, he would enjoy the sport longer. So now, Nick, when I went and looked for information for parents like us, the entire conversation was dominated, in my opinion, by two extremes. One extreme was the uh, I don't gonna use this as caricatures. The Richard Williams ex- or the LeVar Ball or the whatever, the no days off. Pick the negative stereotype. Train, 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 irrespective of how the child feels, irrespective of what the child wants to do. Train, train, train with this goal from the time they're five or six to become a professional. And then again, I don't want to be offensive, but my podcast, we keep it 100. The 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 other extreme was put them into these competitive, ultra competitive environment where the other kids are competitive. The coaches, to some extent, are competitive. The parents, obviously, are frame this stuff as competitive. And don't help them with the tools and the mentality to succeed in this vi- environment. The only thing you do is I love to watch you play. And I, I pick on that because I'm saying you need some context. You know, my sons spend the majority of their time playing uh, in terms of sports when they were growing up playing all the variety of sports. I told you I was a baseball guy, so they played baseball. I, I love basketball. I'm in the Carolinas. They played basketball. And it was just a wreck. It was a fun environment. We didn't do anything. I still coached them. Great. But when they, when they transitioned into this ultra competitive sort of club environment, I saw that I got I needed to help them a little bit, but I wanted to meet them where they were at and I wanted to help them become developmentally appropriate. But the content to help me on this journey, again, was dominated by these extremes. And I felt like the target audience were two primary groups of people. Coaches, which that makes sense. The majority of soccer content should be directed at the people who are furthering the profession, who are doing the hard work. But the challenges of a coach and the things that the coach needs to do is totally different than the parent working with their own child at home. And the other piece of content was for parents who did not necessarily actively train their kid. As a matter of fact, it was almost taboo to talk about. Yeah, we go in the backyard. My son doesn't always want to do it. And I have him kick the ball against the wall 50 times with his non-dominant foot. And later he thanks me. This was a very taboo subject. And so what I try to do in the podcast and then anytime soccer training is an extension of that is really dig into sort of life lessons, not well, life lessons and also a practical guide to help parents along this journey. And I'll say this, Nick. If you think about it, the sporting relationship between the parent and the child by far is one of the most important areas of sports, right? But it's the least, mm, I don't want to say talked about but talked about in detail. Why is this? Because you have to be vulnerable. Who wants to be the guy that says, you know, when my son was six, one time I went out and tried to show him how to dribble and we left me mad and him crying. No one wants to be that vulnerable. But this is the space that I'm trying to create. And how do we turn that situation into a positive situation?
0: Well, you you mentioned uh, many things there probably we'd need an, a couple of hours to unpack. <laughs> exactly. Talk about environment. And you were immersed in an environment in England where it's playing all the time. It's just, we have a ball, we're going to go play. Here in America, I see that in basketball. Uh, sometimes it's baseball, not that often. It's, it's mainly basketball. Don't really see that in soccer create this environment where not only are we developing players, but creating this lifelong love of the game. We as parents and coaches kind of have to manufacture that scenario as as opposed to the rest of the world where I think kids get together and it's really organic. How do you create that organic environment where the child, the player, feels their own empowerment? Hey, dad, I went to the park, I had my ball, and I created a game. We had a 5v5 or a 6v6. I mean, when I was a kid, it was 20v20, you know, because it was only one ball and 40 kids wanted to play. And, and we would play from, you know, sun up to sun down. How do we create, and I say we, because I'm in the same business as you. How do we create that environment organically without, without it feeling like we're the ones pushing?
1: Yeah. So I get, I've given this a lot of thought. And number one, is really hard. So let's just start there. And there's no right answer. So I can only um, tell you my truth and what I did. Now, fortunately, again, I was coming from England and I saw the culture there. And, but I am American. So when we decided to move back, back to America, if you're going to accuse me of having an evil plan, I did know that while American football and basketball, they do a great job of marketing themselves, a wonderful job of that. So when we got back to America, I was very intentional about creating a culture of soccer at home because I knew that once my kids really got into school and got around their buddies, like now, my sons love watching the NFL, and he love, He got me to get the NBA pass because they do a great job of marketing themselves. And so then what did that look like? I would buy them um, soccer books. We would get little soccer figure when it rains, figure rings. I would play with them all the time. We talked about the game. We watched the game, and then we would seek out places to free play. And then as an active parent, I would organize free play opportunities, but I was very intentional about not coaching them and letting them play. And that's just the reality. It's no different than if your kid was in tennis. It's just the reality. You have to be a little bit more intentional about making those things happen. On a macro level, right? And I talk about this in the podcast as well. On a macro level, this is an infrastructure challenge. I think it's a simple, you build it and they will come. Not saying how we're going to get the money, but it's no different than the parks, uh, the, the walking trails is no different than the interstate highway system is no different than sidewalks. You build small, miniature soccer facilities. Uh, I should say multi-purpose facilities in the community, at least in where I'm at and definitely on the East coast, those places are packed. And that's the, that's a macro inc- uh, challenge. Then on a more of a macro scale, but slightly lower than that, I I wish if I was the czar of U.S. soccer, I would do the thing that there's a, there used to be a rule in um, real estate where if you build a apartment complex, you have to leave, and I'm gonna make this up, 5% has to be affordable, right? right? Just whatever, something, something to that effect. If I'm the czar of U.S. soccer, Dan, if you have a club with more than 500 participants or more than a thousand participants, you have to offer one free play day a month or something. I don't know. I'm a dreamer. Call me John Lennon from South Carolina. I wish all this stuff could happen, but I think it's going to take macro structural changes and a commitment to activity, almost on that Michelle Obama, like let's get healthy thing is going to take almost like a massive initiative to say, let's get active and let soccer be one of those things. Then we have the U.S. Soccer Federation. I think they can put a little bit more responsibility on our soccer clubs to say, it's a moral imperative that you create free play opportunities for kids in a neighborhood and you're going to get this special green badge if you're doing that. And that's going to be respected. And then on the micro level, as parents, I led by example. Yes, I have a training company. Yes, I work with my kids. But my kids thought of me as a dad that was playing with them way before we talked about training. And it was only after I saw my son really love soccer. And then he was kind of waning because he uh, his skills, were. that's when I got involved with actively training him. But before that, I was running around. And I'm being honest, Nick, I'm getting on my soapbox. I got 10 more minutes. I don't accept this thing, oh, I never played the game. Soccer is a ubiquitous sport. You, it, you don't need it is I could barely move these days. You go out there, you chase your kids, you race your kids, you play one V1 against your kids, you uh, play goalie against your kids, and even when you pass with your kids, you're allowed to use your I tell parents all the time. You're allowed to use your hands. You can get active with your child right now, irrespective of how much soccer, um, experience you believe you have. You
0: now, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I get on my soapbox as well, especially when it comes to that pay to play, free play. You know, one of my goals as, as president chair of Cal South is to make soccer affordable for everybody. That means making it free. Then that's what I would do. And there's a lot of coaches out there pissed off with me, I don't care. They're overpaid anyway, what they're doing. Um, bring up a great point about facilities. And here, I'm, I'm based in LA, and I drive around, and I see basketball courts open everywhere, and they're free, right? Every soccer field, every soccer field I see, it's got a fence around it and a padlock on the gate. And you need a permit and you gotta pay money and my head wants to explode. We talk about, and, and you raised a great point now, um, Michelle Obama, that this, that healthy fitness and, and, and certainly post pandemic, that has never been more important. How can we, we're, we're regular Joes. How can we then sell parks and rec? government and explain to them need for facilities that we can use
1: or so let me throw a couple things at you number one i'm active in my city council i'm a single issue voter though (laughs) you know the only thing i go to every every year i go to them and say hey you have to keep the lights on in the soccer fields in the winter a little longer and they always say yes mr crawford we got you." keep the lights on. And I'm also part of a small group of guys who like to free play cuz my wife happens to be African here and I'm in with that community. And they also petition to you you have public soccer fields but they're always being rented out by the youth soccer organizations and I get that there's limited space, but we have to keep these uh the parks and communities open to the public especially the soccer fields. But what I think as a business person is going to take is some kind of way, private and public partnerships that mutually benefit everyone. Any solution that doesn't unfortunately enrich folks or makes or solve a problem for free people, other stakeholder is, is not gonna work. I wish I could give you a solution right now, but I can definitely envision festivals with food trucks around it and allowing soccer clubs to market their service while organizing these free play events and collect data, where if you're going to do this particular free play event on this day, you have to register. But some kind of way, it has to be the trifecta of improving the community, offering a valuable service to its constituency. And the reality is organizations also have to benefit.
0: As, as, as forward in this conversation, where do you think soccer is heading? Because when we look at the data, the numbers are, um, and there is this massive drop off at 30, 40 years of age. I think those of us in the, in the, in the soccer industry, obviously the gold stars are the national team programs. Um, and then, professional game and college. College seemingly has this mist- t- t- gold the rainbow and everything gets college when in reality it's like zero point five percent. How do we how do we educate parents regarding the college game, but at the same time not lose any participation? Cause now all of a sudden, this college dream is, is, is not a reality, but we can play the game for fun. How do we in the game? Just for
1: fun. So I think, and this is, and this is a complicated one. I think the kids dropping out at 13 is a little bit more complicated than is often said. I think there's a multifaceted, um, uh, problem. And I think one of the issues, and I often say this about American soccer is we're buying more soccer for our kids than they need or want. So I think around that 13 age, the kid realizes I don't have a future on this. And the only options I have is training four or five days a week and playing and traveling or nothing because I can't go back to the, uh, to rec. We have not done a good job of making parks and rec sexy again. We haven't done a great job of saying here is a competitive program that has the same level of standards and commitment, but it's less soccer. It's either all or nothing. And some of that is cultural and it's a really, really hard thing to fix because I think a lot of the dropout is not that anyone specifically has done anything wrong. The kids are just making a reasonable choice saying, I have to focus on school. School is getting harder. I have these other things I want to do and talker takes so much of my time. I would play rec, but we've depleted recreational programs of resources and, um, people. So that's no longer a valuable option. So where do, how do we, how do we bridge this gap? And that's a really hard one, um, um, to solve for. But I think that's kind of the direction we need to go into, which is, and I tell people all the time, and you tell me this in the UK, everybody plays grassroots. Only very small percent are going to make it going to be an academy. So now your grassroots is going to feel like club because everybody playing. And, but it's just different. And I, you know, I don't know the, I don't, I wish I had a succinct answer for you, but I don't because it's complicated. Ah, the soccer world,
0: super complicated. Neil, um, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? What kind of great things do you have on your platform?
1: Okay, so here we go. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training application with well over 5,0 hundred percent follow-along videos. It's absolutely free to join, and um and it's only $50 a year for an annual subscription. And what makes it unique is Every video is 100% follow along. Every The average video is less than five minutes and it follows a very logical progression and it covers everything. Now, that's what it does. And then I'm going to tell you why I created it and then I'm going to end with how you contact me. I created it because um, once I first started working with my sons, there was a lot of tension. I'm trying to get them to do this. They don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm researching this stuff on on Facebook, YouTube, trying to show them this. They're frustrated and I'm frustrated. And I was reflective enough and I love my sons enough to say I got to do something else. And I'm you and I decided to use technology as a way to offer them that curriculum. Yes, I'm watching them. Yes, I'm helping them, but it goes in a very very slow progression and it has the uh the demos as well. That's why I created it also has a team feature so that coaches, because when I became a rec coach, I wanted people to do stuff at home. It has a team feature so that the coaches can see that the kids are doing it. Now, the best way to get in contact with me, because that's the, that's the tool, but I love talking about this stuff and I have a podcast where we go yeah. deep into it, is uh, you can reach me at Neil, N-E-I-L, that's N-E-I-L at anytime-soccer.com. But I'm sure you'll put my information in the show notes. I do a podcast where I talk about youth soccer from around the world. And I go deep into, uh, parent, parent issues with kids who parents who train their own kids to issues that we, we face. And I'll end with this. If after listening to some of my episodes of my podcast, if you walk away agreeing with everything I said, then I have not done my job. It's controversial. It's provocative. It's raw. It is what it is. And I just do it so I can hopefully help somebody else who is on this journey. Neil Crawford, Anytime Soccer, an innovator, someone who is
0: ready to step outside of that box. That's something that I really respect. This has been the Baron of All. I'm Nick Webster. And as always, you can find CalSouth at calsouth.com, on Instagram, CalSouth, and on Facebook. Be back next week with another guest on the Bear and the Ball to talk about this beautiful game we love so much. I'll see you. Thank you, Nick.